one. Of course, there are a number of good Christmas passages. If you are able to stand, we'll look at uh, a portion of Scripture out of Matthew 1, and we'll read it. Um, And I have uh, looked at numerous passages here and getting ready for the message, and I'm telling you, this is where the Lord has impressed upon my heart to read from. And a lot of different applications, a lot of different uh, directions we can go. Uh, But we're going to look at verse 18 through verse 25. Read it. It is the Christmas story. But there's one verse that we're going to use as our text. So verse 18. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with the child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from, the, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let me go ahead and pray with you, and let's just get our hearts ready for the message here, okay? Father, we love you. We're thankful to assemble together around your word. And we're thankful that there, is a, there are a couple holidays in our country that still bring attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. And regardless of how commercialized it's become, we rejoice in the fact that Jesus is mentioned, whether it be by pretense or whether it be through sincerity The very fact that the name of Jesus is being presented and lifted up, Lord God, has power. Power to make people think. And we pray, Lord, that you bless our time now as we consider this passage and the purpose of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that everybody in the house, Lord, would feel like you have a message for them. And may you give us all that ear to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Bless the special music now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The 22nd Psalm. And the song finished and everybody clapped and it was a long song. And people were really excited about it. And there was a little eight-year-old boy that looked up at his mom and said, Mom, that was a lot longer than 20 seconds. Always a complainer in the house. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, there's always going to be a complainer. I hope not to make this long. I went to a funeral service this past week for uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton, 
is a wonderful man of God who God used in a powerful way. And he uh, had a number of quotes that were helpful to preachers, to anybody. One of the quotes was, plain talk is easily understood. And so this morning, I'm not looking to give you anything real deep. I want to make it plain because what we need is the scripture and we need the truth. So if you take your Bible, look back at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. The fact is there's nothing new under the sun, but I sure like looking. I want you to zero in on verse 21, verse 21. In regards to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now listen, we read the uh, larger portion. We read verse 18 to verse 25 there. And of course there's a lot of different applications. Can you imagine the situation with Joseph finding out that his fiancée is pregnant and he's not the dad? Uh, Certainly there would be some difficulty there, amen? Yet, the Bible says he was a just man. He wanted to do what was right and... And I believe God gave him, God chose him to be the stepdad, so to speak, for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was ordained for that task. He accepted the task and God gave him the wisdom he needed to raise baby Jesus into adulthood. Somewhere between uh, the time Jesus started at his ministry and the birth of Christ, obviously, somewhere between there, Joseph passes off on the scene. He dies. We don't know about it. And I appreciate what Brother Tony Rose said this Wednesday night. Uh, through that, uh, Jesus knew what it was to lose somebody, to be mindful of, of losing a loved one. But what I want to zero in on, on this passage, he shall save his people from their sins. Now think about this for just a second. It didn't say he'd save them from Roman rule. At this time, the nation of Israel was under the oppression, under the, uh, the authority of the Romans like every other civilized country at that time for the most part. But it doesn't say he was going to save them from Roman rule. It didn't say he'd save them from financial hardship either. I know that sometimes we get a preconceived idea and some of your tele, telemarket uh, evangelists kind of promote this thing, the, that if you do this and this, God's going to make you rich. Not necessarily. Hold the coffee. That's uh, not biblically correct. Now, there is some merit. There is some merit to having good character, working hard. And yeah, God blesses that. But the reality is this. Not a, uh, doesn't, uh, 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 account, economy collapse can come to anybody. Economic uh, problems can come to anybody. So he didn't, it doesn't say he'd save them from financial hardship. It didn't say he'd save them from bad health or even physical death. Now I realize, wait a minute, hold the coffee. I believe Christian, living the Christian life is healthy. I really believe it. I've witnessed people, I've watched people live the Christian life, and I've watched their peers grow up, and I've seen a difference <laughs> in the way they aged. Y'all hearing me? 
The man who says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to live for myself. I'm, I'm going I'm to party it up. I, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Uh, I'm going to eat this way and drink this way and, and talk this way. And I'm going to fill my mind with whatever I want. And the other man says, you know what? I want to try to keep my mind clean, my body clean. I want to try to do what's right. I'm here to tell you physically it will have an effect on you. But the, it'll have a positive effect on you living the Christian life. But that text, that text does not say he came to save them from bad health or even physical death. It doesn't say that. It also, it, it, notice, notice clearly, it says from, see that uh, pronoun, their sins. Their sins. He didn't say he come to save you from your neighbor's sins. He didn't say he come to save you from your parents' sins or the sins of the culture. He didn't say he come to save you from the outsider's sins. No, 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 he come to save his people from their sins. You see, my biggest issue is not with anybody outside of me, honest to goodness. My biggest issue is right here. And I think if you're honest with yourself, I think if you're honest with yourself, you might say the same thing. Oftentimes, people get a bad attitude, because, and they want to blame it on everybody else. They said, I read this one little story about this mother and daughter going Christmas shopping, and they started out early, and, and mom got up a little rushed there. She just got up a little rushed, and she had kind of an ornery spirit about her, but she didn't realize it, and she shows up at the first store. They check out, and she's hustling along, and, and she's upset with the lady, and the lady at the counter gets upset at her, and boy, it's getting uncomfortable for the daughter, and they move on to another store, probably a Macy's, and they get some things and boy nobody can do anything right there that mom's getting upset and the daughter's like oh. and boy they do this all day long and and the mom uh, on the way home in the car says to the daughter man everybody had a bad attitude today it was just terrible she said mom it wasn't everybody you had the bad attitude Kind of like the guy who walked around all day long. He had Limburger cheese stuck on his nose. Didn't even know it on his mustache. He's walking. He walks into uh, uh, the dining room and says, "Man, it stinks in there." He walks. He walks into the grocery store. Says, "It stinks in there." And he walks over to the neighbor's house. It stinks in there. He says, "Man, everywhere I go, it stinks." You got that Limburger cheese stuck on your snobs. That's going to make things stinky. Got to clean yourself up. And the issue at hand, ladies and gentlemen, the issue at hand, Jesus, the Bible says, come to save his people from their sins. His people from their sins. Now, I want to give you some plain talk here. For those of you that have, those of you that have been in church for a while, I hope at least I'll get an amen from you because you know I'm telling you the truth. And those of you that haven't been here for a while, glory to God, you're getting the truth. I remember showing up in church when I hadn't been in church for a while. It's like, phew. Old truth is still powerful truth. And so, here we go. I need to explain a couple things. Let's take that word sin. Let's, let's, uh, let's look at that for just a moment. Sin, sin. He's going to save his people from their sins. What's this all about? Well, I'll say this. Uh, it, sin, sin has a consequence. It has a consequence. The reason people die is because of sin. Uh, the word death means separation, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it means. It means separation. In the Bible, the, the, the Word of God tells us this. The Word of God tells us that sin, 
has a consequence. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's what the Word of God tells us. And the Bible tells us there's a two types of death that everybody's going to face. Well, not everybody, but the Bible says there are two types of death. There is a physical death. I know this isn't comforting, but this is reality, and I feel obliged to speak to you about the realities and not fantasies. And the reality is nobody's going to live in these bodies forever. Some of you are saying, thank God, I'm ready to get a new one. <laughs> and the older you get, you're going to say, yes, sir, I'm glad I'm not living in this body forever. But we're not going to live in these bodies forever. These bodies are going to die. Why? Because of sin. They're going to face the consequence. But there's another death, ladies and gentlemen. It's uncomfortable, but it's a reality. It's, a, it's just as much of a reality as the physical death. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, those that were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. That's not comfortable, but that's reality. And that's a reality I want to be aware of before I, have to, I would have to go there. Hello? I wouldn't be worried about escaping that place if I didn't know about that place. Do you think I'm helping anybody if I just don't tell them? Hey, you know, the bridge is out of order, but don't tell them. You'll hurt their feelings. I know there's a 100-foot drop, but you know, you don't want to make their drive uncomfortable. And so when they fall off the cliff, they, they go off the road and they uh, begin to descend and crash... They probably say to themselves, I wish somebody to warn me. And there's a whole lot of people that know that don't tell. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 tells us that the lake, again, it, it's almost repetitive, uh, about a group of people that will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to tell you that if you and I had to pay for our sins, hello, talk, listen to me, that's all I'm asking. If you and I had to pay for our sins, there's a consequence. And that consequence, number one, I can't get rid of the fact that I'm in this body, and you can't either. But hallelujah, I can get excited that I don't have to go to the other death. I don't have to. Oh, no. Provision has been made. So sin has a consequence. But sin is contagious. Sin is contagious. Say, so what do you mean? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man, one man, sin entered into the world. Well, how did it enter the world? You all heard of Adam and Eve. See, contrary to popular belief, we were not made from amoebas, tadpoles, or monkeys. God made man in the Garden of Eden. Now, if you believe your ancestors are of that type of descent, well... I'll try not to be mean. I'll stop there. That's <laughs> too bad for you. No, we were created in the image of God, ladies and gentlemen. We were created in the image of God, and man blew it in the Garden of Eden. But God, God always makes preparations for man's mistakes, and he had a plan. He had a plan even before he made Adam and Eve. I don't want to get too deep there. But the fact of the matter is, when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, they brought sin not just on themselves, but they brought sin on their descendants. Because once they, once they contaminated themselves with this virus called sin, they couldn't get rid of it, couldn't shake it. And the children they had, uh, beginning with Cain and Abel, were infected with sin. Sin is contagious. 
And you'll discover, in your, if you were to read your Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, after they sinned, and then chapter 4, what happened after sin, you'll find people died. They died. They died. Abel is the first account of death in the Bible. How did it take place? His brother killed him. Sin. Sin. Genesis 5, you read through there, it says this man lived this long, this long, and then he died. This man lived this long, then he died. This man lived this long, then he died. There is one exception to the rule. Just for a Bible quiz, anybody know who it is? That sounded like we were speaking in tongues for a moment there. We weren't, ladies and gentlemen, just letting you know. Uh, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Hebrews 11 tells us he pleased God. He walked with God. Well, you walk with God, you're going, the right home. You're going to end up in the right place. Hello? But death, is, sin is contagious. Sin has a consequence, and sin is contagious. And you and I, some 6,000 years later, and yes, I said 6,000. I didn't say 1 million, 2 million, 50 billion. I don't care what they say. Uh, According to biblical history of humanity, ladies and gentlemen, you can figure it out. It's in there. They leave these ages for a reason. The human race since Adam to here has been around for a little over 6,000 years. All you got to do, you can do it yourself. But I'm here to tell you, from from the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden till now, every man, woman, and child that has been born on this planet was born with sin, except one. Except one. Except one. So, it's contagious. It's contagious. It has a consequence. It's contagious. Now, what I mean by it's contagious is I've got it, you've got it, and the thing of it is I can't shake it, you can't shake it. A mask isn't going to keep somebody else from getting it. I'm meddling now, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. You can take all kinds of uh, uh, pharmaceutical shots. It's not going to keep you from getting sin or getting rid of sin. It's just not going to do it. Sin has a consequence. It's contagious. But you need to understand this. It has a character. A character. What do you mean? You ever heard somebody say, that guy's a character or something like that? Well, people have different types of character, good character, bad character. Sin has a character, and it's bad character. The character of sin, ladies and gentlemen, get this, it is selfishness. I know you probably were not aware of this, but every one of us in this room are naturally selfish. We are. Hi, I'm Merv McNair, and I'm selfish. That helps. I can get help now. (laughs) Because you can't get help till you understand your problem. Hear me out. You can't get help to you understand your problem. We've got a sin problem, and that sin problem, it has affected our character. See, we're sinners by birth, but we're sinners by behavior. Come on now. I've lied, you've lied, and, man, I've stolen. I remember stealing quarters on the top of my grandma's refrigerator. So I could buy baseball cards. And God, in his infinite wisdom, made me get caught. And oh, the shame and the red face I experienced. It devastated me. It kept me from stealing quarters from Grandma. The fact of the matter is, whether you've lied or stolen, which the Bible tells us we have in some way, shape, or form, the Bible tells us that the thoughts of, the foolish, thoughts of foolishness are sin. That's what the Bible says. Hello. 
You don't even have to say it if it's in your brain. Oh, God knows it's there. I think we could all agree. I hope you could if you're honest with me. I think all of us could admit we are sinners. It has a, it a, it, it has a character. And the reason for all the strange behavior in our society and in our world, ladies and gentlemen, we can blame it on, we can blame it on, on uh, liberalism. We can blame it on, we can blame it on uh, 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 the professors in the, in the college, and we can blame it on the fact they took the Bible out of school and took prayer to school, which was a shame. Uh, we can blame it on all sorts of things, but the real problem, the real reason is sin has a character, and every human that's on this earth has sin in their lives. And there is wickedness in this world because of sin. There's extreme wickedness in this world. Absolute perverse wickedness in this world. Human trafficking in this world because of sin. There's loneliness in this world because of sin. There's depression in this world because of sin. I am telling you, there's bitterness in this world because of sin. There's hate and anger in this world because of sin. Sin, sin. It has a character, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes sometimes the character tries to act religious. But I'm telling you, there is no hatred like religious hatred. There are nations that have went to war. There are millions that have died in religious battles. What brought all this about? Sin. It has a consequence. It's contagious. We all have it. And our descendants have it. And it has a character. And as much as we try to refrain it, and as much as we try to control it within our own hearts, we see our own failures, our own weaknesses, our own shortcomings. And that's why the Word of God says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget that if, if, if you have to pay for your sin, it's going to be more than just dying a physical death. You've got to understand this. That passage in Revelation says they shall be cast into the lake of fire which burneth forever and ever. It is the second death. Uh, like, like eternally? That's what it says. The man that died and went to hell, the rich man, his name is not mentioned. And I believe it's not mentioned for a reason because I don't. it's not a parable. It's a true story in Luke 16. He didn't die because he was rich. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. As a matter of fact, he didn't go to hell because he didn't feed the poor. He went to hell because he didn't get his sins taken care of. He didn't get saved from his sins. That's why. That's why. So, <clears throat> I said sin has a consequence. Sin is contagious. And sin uh, has a character. By the way, let's think of old Samson. How many of you are familiar with Samson? Oh, okay. I'm going to tell the story again. Act like it's new. <laughs> oh, God was going to use Samson to help deliver Israel. And Samson wasn't the most obedient fellow, but he ended up doing what God wanted anyways. But Samson ended up making a big mistake. He met this gal named Delilah. Now, if your name is Delilah, I'm not getting on you. That's just the gal's name in the Bible, okay? He met this gal named Delilah. 
You know, Delilah started deceiving him and wanted to find out the, where his power came from. Some of you know the story, but act like, I'm telling, act like you never heard it. It'll, it'll be a blessing. It'll help me. And so she finds out that his power lied in the length of his hair. He had this Nazarite vow, and so, oh, don't cut his hair or he's going to lose his power. God had made it that way. And so he finally tells her the source of his power, and she secretly while he's sleeping cuts his hair. And the next morning she said, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee to see if he was telling the truth. And the Philistines got up around the room and they got close to him and they grabbed a hold of mighty Samson. And unlike before, Samson couldn't shake them off. Unlike before, he couldn't flip them away and knock them down. Unlike before, he found himself limited, weak, impotent in their control. And they bound him. And I'm here to tell you, sin binds us. And they took him back to one of their capital cities. And they took a hot iron and they poked his eyes out. And they blinded him. And sin blinds us too. Sometimes we don't see our need because of sin. We're so wrapped up into it. I'm not saying sin is not pleasurable. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. Some sin is, but it always, always reaps a harvest of pain, anguish. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Old Samson now, he's bound, he's blind. And then they put him at this mill to grind the wheat. And he grinds away day after night, day after day, night after night. Old Samson would tell you sin has a price. David would tell you sin has a price. Lot would tell you sin has a price. And that rich man in hell would tell you sin has a price. Now, again, there's two types of death. There's a physical death, and there's a spiritual death. Now, listen to me. Listen to me, because I'm actually alliterating. This is kind of cool. Sin. Sin has a consequence. Say it with me. What is the consequence? It's death. Sin is contagious. How many of you noticed that your kids kind of had what you had when you were little? (laughs) I didn't act like that. I bet your I bet grandparents say, Yeah, you did. <laughs> you acted just like that. It's contagious. Sin has a character. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to inform you of the greatest news of all from the very text we just read. His name is called Jesus. And he shall deliver his people from their sins. Sin has a conqueror. A conqueror. Now, in the days of Israel, when they were in the land of Egypt, they became slaves to the Egyptians. And they were there some 430 years, and they cried unto the Lord, and God heard their cry, and God sent them a deliverer. We know him as baby who? Moses. And God gave them a deliverer who saved them from Egyptian bondage. His name was Moses. Oh, they'd be freed, and they'd roam free for a while in the promised land, and then they'd foul up again like us humans do. And they'd go back into bondage to another group of people called the Midianites. The Midianites. And God would come to another man, and he would 
call him to be a savior, a deliverer of Israel to save them from the Midianites. And his name is Gideon. Gideon. He'd raise up Gideon. And they'd foul up again. They'd mess their life. They'd turn from God and they'd face the consequence of their sin. And they'd be bound again and oppressed again. This time it was the Philistines. And God would use a couple of people to start delivering them, saving them from the Philistines. He would use Samuel. He would use Saul. But I'm here to tell you, one day he raised up a shepherd boy, David. And David would deliver Israel from the bondage of the Philistines. But regardless of how great these men were, ladies and gentlemen, they could not deliver God's people from sin. They couldn't deliver anybody from sin. There's never been a man that could deliver from sin except for Jesus Christ. The Bible says he will save his people from their sin. Leads me to the next question. His people. Well, how do you get in there? Is that like an automatic thing? His people. I mean, can I just claim it, name it and claim it? I'm his people. Is that a name it, claim it thing there? Should I not use the authority of the word of God to find out how to become his people? Hello? I think I should. See, uh, I understand when we read Matthew chapter 1, Jesus was a Jew. And as we read Matthew 1, we read the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a descendant of a king, David. And his stepfather, Joseph, was a descendant of David. And by the way, Mary, in Luke chapter uh, 2 account, uh, we discover that Mary also, I think it's Luke 3 actually, Mary also was a descendant of David. So Jesus, from both sides of the family, okay, adopted father, Mary, he, he's a descendant of the throne of David. Makes him a rightful heir to the throne. It's like God knew what he was doing, Amen. And so Jesus is born. Jesus is born. Now, <clears throat> he's born amongst the Jews. And of course, the Jews had been waiting for this man called the Messiah. They'd been waiting for him. Most of them weren't ready when he, when he arrived. Nevertheless, he has come here in Matthew chapter 1. He's a, he comes as a baby. Many of them weren't ready for that. Isaiah 9, 6 says... Uh, a child will be born, a son will be given. What's that talking about? The child born is his, his humanity. A son given, that's his deity. I shared with the teachers this morning that statement in Isaiah 9, 6, where it says a son shall be given. That phrase given there means to make a payment. Well, how about that? He's going to come to make a payment. Well, whose payment? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember, sin has a consequence. It has a consequence. And if it's not paid by another, you and I are going to pay for it. Because I can't shake myself from it. I can't get out of this body. I can't run from it. I can't work my way out of it. I can't, I, hey, it doesn't matter what the crowd thinks, I still got to deal with my own sin. 
It doesn't matter how many people pat me on the back and say I'm a good boy. It doesn't matter. I still got to deal with my own sin. I have sin that has to be dealt with. And I know that I, I, had to come, I come to the conclusion where uh, I can't make it. But I'm so glad the conqueror came. I'm so glad that one came who, though he didn't deliver me from Egyptian bondage, and he, he doesn't deliver from uh, uh, Midianite bondage or Philistine bondage, glory to God, he delivers me from a greater uh, taskmaster, and that is sin. A greater consequence. The conqueror. When it says his people, I understand the context in the first sense that, yes, there is a reference to the Jewish people, but wait a minute. John chapter 1, verse 11, hear me out. John chapter 1, verse 11 says, He came unto his own, and his own, can you finish it? Received him not. That means they're not his people. Verse 12, though, ladies and gentlemen, herein lies the hope for all humanity. In John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many, but to as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. To as many as received him. So I'm here to tell you, if I come knocking at your door and you didn't uh, invite me in, I, you wouldn't receive me, see? If you come to knocking on my door and I kept you out in the cold, I didn't really receive you. I've not really received you till I invite you in. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is knocking at the door right now of all humanity. But I've learned this, ladies and gentlemen, and I think you have too. I've never seen a guy that was swimming and, and uh, <clears throat> uh, holding his own out in the water ask for help. Never have. I, I mean, I, I, I've never seen a guy that, uh, that uh, is walking down the sidewalk, whistling Dixie, uh, and everything healthy, all of a sudden just say, yeah, help me. But I have seen people who are drowning ask for help. I have seen people who've had an accident or been hurt or wounded and they couldn't help themselves ask for help. I have heard of people who have fallen and said, help me. Hey, listen, nobody is going to get saved from their sin if they don't want to be. Now, I'm giving you plain talk. Plain talk. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody gets saved from the consequence of sin unless they want to be. Nobody. But if they want to be, they'll have no problem getting it. Because the outstretched hand of Jesus is there awaiting. Just waiting. Call unto me, he says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the conqueror knows how to show up right on time. Right on time. Years ago... When we first started the church, I and Nick Savage were knocking on doors. And man, we were trying to remember the street. Uh, I think it was Pearl Street. We're knocking on doors. We're t sharing the gospel, handing out these gospel tracts. Because, you know, Christians, we just don't know better. We want to share our faith. 
And so uh, we're trying to invite folks to church and all of that. And it was getting late. It was an evening time uh, visitation period. And it's starting to get dark, but Nick and I had made a commitment to finish up the street. And we come to this one particular house. Believe it or not, this was around Christmas time. And I'm not going to give you the guy's name. But uh, knock on a particular door, and a guy opens the door, and he's got red, tear-stained eyes. He's a young man. He's probably, at the time, 22, 23 years old. And uh, he looks at us with these just tear-stained eyes, and they're wide as saucers as he stares at us. I'm trying to be relaxed, and I... I introduce myself. I'm Merv McNair. I pastor Lighthouse Baptist Church. We just started the church here at the time, 524 Northwest Street. I said, here's Nick Savage, and this is how we've got to meet people. I said, uh, you know, we'd like to give you this. He said, come in. Well, he didn't look too intimidating, so I came in. He let us sit down on the couch, and he sat down in a chair and got in a position where I could see everybody, we could all see each other, and I began to share with him the gospel. In a sense, I gave him what I've just given you. I let him know, you know, there's a consequence on sin. Number two, there's a con- it's contagious. We all have it. Number three, it's a, there's a character. That's why we people behave the way they do. And uh, uh, there's nothing we can do, but there is a conqueror, Jesus because that little baby would grow up and live the perfect human life and qualify himself to be our perfect substitute. And he would die on the cross and suffer our hell on the cross. And he would cry out before he gave up his last breath. He would say, it is finished. It is finished. And he'd give up his last breath. And they'd take him off that cross He died, and they put him in a tomb, and three days later, uh, he didn't ask for help. He just got up out of the grave with the keys of death and hell. That's what the Bible says. Putting an exclamation point on the fact that I've, I've paid the price for man's redemption. Sin has been paid for in full, but now it's a personal choice. Nobody else can receive Christ for you. You have to do it yourself. And so I shared this with this young man. And I'm telling you, he gave me the stare down. He gave me the stare down. And I looked at him and I said, "Uh, do you understand you're a sinner? He said, oh, yeah. I said, you understand then the the consequence if you had to pay for your sin? He said, oh, yeah. I said, do you understand that Jesus Christ paid that full price of redemption? Do you believe he did it for you? He said, oh, yeah. I said, would you like to have this gift that he offers you now? It's eternal life through him. Would you like? He says, yeah. Boy, I love it when they're that compliant. I said, brother, I almost said his name. (laughs) I said, uh. Would you like to pray and ask Christ right now with me? He said, yeah. So we prayed. He he called on Christ. He looked up at me and he says, I got to tell you something. He said, just minutes before you knocked on the door, I was going to kill myself. He said, he pointed to the TV set and on top of the TV was a revolver. He said, I had that to my head. He said, I didn't think there was any hope. 
And he was telling me about things that were going on in his life. He had hit bottom. But deep down in God's grace and maybe his soul searching, God said, there's a man. And he sends two fellas who don't know any better. (laughs) We just come waltzing along, knocking on the door. All we did was introduce him to the conqueror. That's all we did. I'm like, that is incredible. He got involved, got baptized, served for a while. Brother Aaron, you might remember the guy. I don't want to say his name because I think he's still in town. He grew for a while in the Lord. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he's a conqueror and he'll come to you right now. Right now. If you'll receive him. How do you become his people? You see, it says he'll save his people from their sins. Galatians 3.26 tells us this. We are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And I repeat John 1.12. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to be, become the sons or children of God. You receive him. You're his people. You receive him. He takes care of the consequence. I said he took care of the consequence. Hallelujah. And guess what he's going to do now and what he's doing now? He doesn't just take care of the consequence. He begins to give us a power within to help us take care of the character. Now, he knows we got to live in these old wicked bodies and we're going to battle. But he says, ah, but I'm with you now. I can help you. I can give you victory over alcohol. I can give you victory over cigarettes. I can give you victory over drugs. I can give you victory over bitterness. I can give you victory over envy. I can give you victory over these addictions. I can give you victory over the sins that are self-destructive, which they all are. He says, let me work in your life. I'll help you with your character. Because little baby King Jesus, he come to save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would bless our service now and minister to people. And we're thankful that you came to this world the way you did. I do not understand it all, but what I do understand, I am so grateful for. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, allow me to ask this very, very important question. This morning, if you are not 100% certain that heaven would be your home when you died, I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you'd say, preacher, I don't want to die and go to hell, but I am not certain that I'll go to heaven. If you'd lift your hand up so I can see it, I will pray for you. Is there anyone like that at this time? Say, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand? God bless you. Yes. Are there any others? Say, preacher, that's me. Pray for me. I'm just not sure. God bless you. Yes. Yes. God bless you. Are there any others? Say, that's me, preacher. I'm just not sure. Just not sure. Would you lift your hand? Are there others? I want to share something really good news, some really good news here with you. Those of you that raised your hands, I want to share some good news with you. Just those of you that raised your hand, would you look at me for a moment? Would you just look at me for a moment? Let me ask you this. Do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, yes or no, with a nod of your head? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay. And there was another one that raised her hand as well. Uh, Do you believe that? Okay. Let me ask you this. Okay. 
right now he promises to be your Savior if you will accept him. Do you believe he's able to keep his promise, yes or no, with a nod of your head? you believe he's able to keep his promise? Okay. I want to encourage you to do something. I don't do it this way very often, but I want to do this. I want to do this. If you want this gift, the Word of God says, if you will call on him, believing in your heart that he died, buried, and rose again, he will save you. That's what God promised in his Word in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If you would like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to ask you right now to bow your head and pray with me. I'm going to pray and lead you in prayer, okay? Let me do this. Let's bow our heads. Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you are the Savior. And I am trusting you to save me from the consequence of my sins to help me and I trust you and believe you now if you did that would you raise your hand if you prayed that prayer would you raise your hand okay wonderful wonderful I did not say amen because I don't want everybody looking up but I want to say this verse 11 Romans 10 11 says this if you believe on him you will not be ashamed of him. That's what it says. I'm going to turn this mic off. People are going to come forward and pray at invitation. I would love for you to come up here and shake my hand, and I could shake your hand and welcome you into his family, okay? Would that be all right? It's a wonderful thing. Lord Jesus, may you bless our invitation, help those who know you as Savior, to walk with you, that they would experience that delivering power that you have to offer, along with the salvation and security they have in you. May all of our teachers and workers take advantage of the altar time. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.